Good morning, everyone. Welcome to One Life Community Church. My name is Rich, and I'm one of the co-lead pastors here, and uh, it is such a joy to be with you all. Um, thank you for choosing to join us here on this first Sunday of Advent. I'm going to move these mics so I can see people. Um, <clears throat> I also want to say thanks to those who are listening online through our live feed. Thank you for choosing to do so in that capacity. And it would be odd for me not to acknowledge all of our kids in here and all their energy. So we want to do something to get us kind of contagiously engaging with the energy in the room. So on the count of three, in a loud voice, I'd like to hear everyone, including our kids, give out a big good morning. Okay, you ready? One, two, three. See, I love that. I got to do that every Sunday. Uh, it's the first Sunday of Advent. And before we get going, I want to give a big thanks to Brian Lake and everyone who helped decorate and get the church looking lovely. Didn't he do a fantastic job? It's looking awesome in here. Um, it's my favorite time. I also want you to know that we have new original art around the space made by a famous Italian artist named uh, Greg DiLoretto. Uh, so you should make sure to go check out the original Italian art that we have in this space. Um, today we are launching our new Advent sermon series entitled, When God Shows Up. And with that, I want to give you your first fun fact of the day. And that has to do with this word Advent. The word Advent comes from the Latin word Adventus. Let me hear you say Adventus. Adventus means arrival, coming, entrance, appearance, particularly of something having great importance. And so it makes perfect sense that our sermon series and the season that we've entered into is all about that. It's about the arrival, the advent of God. And so over the next five weeks, we're going to be looking at who this God is that shows up, how God shows up, when God shows up, why God shows up, and what happens after God shows up. And one of the primary goals of this series is going to help us all engage in this story in a fresh way, because if we're being honest, Christmas is one of those times, as much as we love, it struggles and battles with familiarity, right? We, we know the songs, we know the stories, we know the characters, and we enter into it, and we kind of get desensitized to the real meaning of Christmas, and so the question we're going to be asking ourselves is, as we get back into the real meaning, are we actually entering into it and living out the truths that come out with this season? Because if we're being honest, and I'm going to tell you kids, you need to know, this time of year, it's not about Santa or reindeer. It's not about getting tons of gifts or candy canes or even snow like we were supposed to get this morning that we didn't get. Uh, although those things are all super cool, Right? This time of year is really about the advent, the arrival of God. And that leads me to our very first point. So kids, you got a special bulletin. If you want to fill in the blanks, adults, sorry, you can write it down though. But the first point is important, and that is that when God shows up, it changes everything, and it should change us as well. When God shows up, it changes everything, and it should change us as well. Kids, if you didn't get your own Kids Life Bulletin, they're back here in the corner where the pens are so you could grab one. They got some activities and things for you to do there as well, but I want to make sure you know about that. But that's our first point. And today we are going to look at who shows up and how different this God is from what everyone expected. 
And along with this, we'll take some time to address one of the most amazing truths about God that I think as a result often gets misunderstood. But before we begin, I think it's important that we open our time with prayer. And I've asked my son to open us in prayer. So if you could do that for me. You can just do it right there if you want. Let's pray. Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, we welcome you into this place and into our hearts this morning. Help us to hear you. Help us to respond to you. And help us to be more like you. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So as we begin, I want to make something really clear right off the bat. And that is that everything we do here, especially if you're a guest, but we all need to be running. Everything we do here is rooted in the one life of Jesus. His examples, his teachings, everything. Jesus is the one life that is at core to all that we do. And so it's foundational that we all know right from the start that during the season of Advent, when we're talking about God showing up, that we know specifically that we're talking about Jesus Christ. Now, Jesus is referred to by many names in the scriptures, tons of names. Some of these include Son of God, the Word of God, the Lord of Lords, the King of Kings, the One who saves, the Messiah, and more. All super cool. But in Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3, as Peter's going to read here in a second, we learn something incredible about Jesus. And I want you to hear it from Peter's mouth to you. Hebrews 1, 3. The Son of is the radiance of God's glory in the exact res- representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. word. Well done. Jesus is the exact representation of God. So if you want to know about God, if you want to understand God, we look to Jesus as the exact representation of God. Now, the thing with Jesus we need to know is that he's always doing the unexpected, which is why it's so important that we look to Jesus to understand God, because if we go by what we think should happen or expect or what the world thinks should happen or expects, we will find almost every single time that we are missing what God is up to, what God is doing in and around and through us. And so the Christmas story is the perfect example of this, and today we're going to look at this reality. But I want to start by reading from the first few verses from John. Now, the Gospel of John is a little different in that it doesn't have a Christmas story like some of the other Gospels, but it does have a summary statement, if you will, and that's what I want us to look at. And this morning I'm going to have it read in two different translations by Lydia, which is... Right there. Well done. Um, These translations include the first one, which is the NIV, and the second one is called the message, which is a translation kind of paraphrase. And the reason I want us to hear them both is because the first one is one you probably are familiar with. The second one, I actually think, covers what John is trying to get best. So first, let's hear John chapter 1, 1 through 2, and verse 14 from the NIV. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. The Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. Perfect. 
So that's the NIV. Many of you have probably heard that before. This next translation is called The Message by a person named Eugene Peterson, and I want you to hear how he translates these same verses. The Word was first, the Word present to God, God present to the Word. The Word was God in readiness for God from day one. The Word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. Perfect. I think this paraphrase really captures what John is getting at in the Greek when it says the Word moved into the neighborhood. You see, when John says the Word was dot, 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 and all these things. He's talking about Jesus, and that, that phrase, word, is the word logos in the Greek. And logos is this idea of God's spokenness, God's communication, revealing who God is. So in John, we see Jesus is referred to as the word of God. So much like the verse in Hebrews that says Jesus is the exact representation of God, John says Jesus is God's communication revealing who God is to us, to humanity. And that leads me to our second point, and that is that whenever God reveals what God is like, it always looks like Jesus, both in word and action. I'm going to say that again because apparently my slide disappeared. Whenever God reveals what God is like, it always looks like Jesus in both word and action. Why? Because Jesus is the word of God and the exact representation of God. So what John is saying is that in order for us humans created by God to understand who God is, God does something amazing. God pursues us and leaves all the glory of heaven and humbly enters into our neighborhood in the form of Jesus. Now, this idea of neighborhood, we all know what our neighborhood is, and it does refer to our location. That's definitely part of it. But it also refers to the idea of moving into our world and our situations, and our circumstances, the good and the bad, and our lives individually in intimate ways. God enters and takes on our everything in the form of Jesus. This is what we refer to as the incarnation. Now, at the time of the birth of Jesus, the people of the day, they are longing for a Messiah, they are waiting and longing for the arrival of the king of kings, the one who is going to come and bring true peace, to bring justice, to save them from their oppression. But what they would find in Jesus, this true king of kings, is radically different from what they had ever thought. And that's what I want us to talk about. So as a community, I want you to take a moment to discuss with those around you. Kids, this includes you as well. I want you to take a moment to think about what comes to mind when you think of a king and being part of a royal family. And so on your bulletin, kids, there's things you can draw to, but think about what a king and a royal family is like, where they live, um, what do they have, what do they don't have, who do they spend time with? So take a moment just around you. It doesn't matter if you're a kid or adult. Take a few moments to, to ponder this idea. If you want to draw it, great. And then I want to hear from you. Some of the ideas that come to mind when you think of a king. Go ahead and start talking. I'll bring us back in a second.
Okay, we're going to come together. Hopefully you've got some talking going, some ideas. Kids, maybe you're drawing what you think of. Uh, raising your hands, though, what are some things that come to mind when you think of a king or a royal family, especially with the idea that you're expecting one to arrive? What are some things, images, thoughts that come to mind? What are they like? Where do they live? What do they have? Raise your hand if you have something to share. Yeah. Say? Formality. They're very formal, okay? Pompous. For kids, does anybody know what pompous means? It's a fun word to say, pompous. It just means like very, you know, they're very formal and, duh, 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 and everybody stands at attention. Duh, duh, duh. Okay, we have what else? Powerful, okay. Yeah? Rich. I'm rich. I was born rich. Brand new material. Yeah. Okay. Sitting on a throne with a crown on their head. Good. Others, yeah. Live in a palace. Mm hmm. Abuse their power. Okay? Yeah. Gold. Yeah, you got it. Gold. Lots of gold. Yeah. Separate from the commoners. Yes. Live in a castle. Okay? They can do whatever they want, get whatever they want. They protect their people. Okay? They usually have military force behind them. Mm -hmm. <laughs> That's all right. Anything else? Yeah. They rule. Okay. Mm -hmm. Okay. So we don't think of it so much as present day. It feels kind of like something in the past. You don't. It's okay. Uh huh. Yeah. Okay, they kind of, they, because of their family background, their heritage, their, their whatever, the lineage, they come into power by that way. Yeah. Greedy, okay. Yeah. Okay, so if we think of someone like King Solomon, maybe there's some wisdom around them. Mm -hmm. They have servants, okay. You need something done, you don't have to do it. You have somebody else do it for you, yeah. Okay, they believe they're chosen by God to be in that position, to be king, yeah. Care for their subjects, yeah. Uh, Benjamin West would like to say that he, when he thinks of kings, he thinks of bosses. Okay. And of sitting on the throne, mm -hmm. getting whatever you want, and telling people what to do. Yeah. I'd like to sound like mom. Right, <laughs> something like that. So, those are all really great. Right? Those are the things, and the reason why I talk about this is because these are the things, these ideas, these imagining picture of what they're expecting, this is what the people of the day are thinking back then. This is what they're hoping for in the arrival of this king, that this king, much to like we described, was going to come and be unlike what they had currently, but was going to take over. Now, knowing this, it's easy to see with even a very little knowledge of Jesus how very different Jesus is from the type of king they are waiting for, right? Rather than using power for their own needs, Jesus, who has all power, uses it for others. Where a king is born into royalty who already has power, Jesus is born into peasant farmer family. He isn't born in a castle that's safe and clean 
with all the medical care they need. Jesus leaves heaven and is born in an old, dirty, dark, smelly animal stable. A king is known to have respect and dignity from day one from the family heritage, but Jesus is born of an unwed Jewish teenager, which in the first century was absolutely scandalous. Still pretty much so today. When a king was born, it would be surrounded by and welcomed by all these famous, powerful, influential people, the high and the mighty, but this king, Jesus, is surrounded at his birth by dirty farm animals, lowly shepherds, and a couple random astrologers from Persia. A king associates himself with the rich and the powerful, the famous celebrities and the smartest, and they rule with power, they have armies, and they use force. But Jesus associated himself with the poor and the sick and the prostitutes and the hated tax collectors, the common folks, those that were understood as the least of all. And everything Jesus did was done out of self-sacrificial, unconditional love and grace. Kings usually establish their power by killing their enemies. But Jesus establishes his power by allowing his enemies to kill him on the cross. Now, I could go on and on. I'm hoping you're getting this. These people were waiting for the king of kings to arrive. And the king of kings does arrive in the person of Jesus. But Jesus was absolutely nothing like they expected. And this is the meaning of Advent. And Jesus is the God who shows up. And in the arrival, the advent of Jesus, we now have the exact representation of God in both word and action. A God who moves into our neighborhoods and into our everything. That's awesome. But now we need to be honest, right? That the neighborhood we live in, as nice and wherever we live, it's a rough neighborhood in comparison to heaven, right? Our world that we live in has issues from wars to homelessness to disease to climate problems to divisions to sin and hate and the list could go on and on, right? It doesn't matter what age we can see it. There's issues, but God knows this and God knows what God is entering into and even knows that later in life, Jesus will be carrying every issue, past, present, future of humanity on his shoulders on the cross. Why would God leave all of the perfect, beautiful glory of heaven to enter into our world, our sin, our problems, our neighborhoods, knowing ultimately it was what was gonna kill Jesus on the cross? The answer is Jesus is the word and the exact representation of God. And this is what our God is like. Our God is someone who puts others first, who will go to any extreme to save us. Our God, as we see in the example of Jesus, is a God who will make our humanity God's humanity. Our messes, God's messes. Our neighborhood, God's neighborhood, our curse, our guilt, 
our sin. God takes it all and makes it his. This is what our God is like. And we see this, a perfect example of this, in the story, the arrival, the advent of Jesus. And as crazy and as opposite to what anyone would have ever expected anyone to do, this is exactly what God does. And it's exactly why Jesus is the ultimate king of kings. He's like no other king anyone could ever imagine. Amen? In this Advent story, we see Jesus from the very beginning, again, constantly challenging our assumptions about who God is, what God is like, what motivates God, how God acts and why, and what God's up to, and completely turns it upside down. It's amazing. So kids and or adults, if you want, I'd encourage you to try to draw, in comparison to these king ideas that we talked about, a picture showing how different the arrival of Jesus as king was compared to what they expected. So we talked about this king and how they expect the things and the power and all these things. Try to draw something that, that, that shows what actually happened, who Jesus is and how different that is. This is just a part of one of the images that our famous Italian artist, Greg DiLoretto, put together for us, which I love. I'd love to see your artwork as well. Now, now that we get this, here's the thing. As Jesus is turning all of our expectations and assumptions upside down and transforming them from what we would have ever imagined, we need to address an idea about God entering into our neighborhoods and the mess in our world. And it has an effect on our understanding about something that we get often under, misunderstood. And that's this idea of God being holy. Because the truth is, it's not hard for us to say we believe God is holy. But the important question is, what kind of holiness are we talking about? The word holy comes up all the time in scriptures. And it's translated to be set apart. That's its translation. So we get this picture that God is holy, perfect, and set apart from anything that isn't perfect, right? That's what we, we understand. And we assume that with this holy perfection that God can't even be around anything less than perfect. It's this kind of self-righteous, I'm better than everyone in every way kind of picture that can kind of get communicated. And it creates this weird sense that God's holiness gets in the way of us experiencing God's love because we know we're not perfect. So how can we, if we're not perfect, be in the presence of a perfect God? If he's better than everyone in every way in any kind of picture and we're not and we can't be in the presence of that, what does that look like? So God can't really be around us. And sadly, we've taken this false assumption about God and built whole theologies around it, placing Jesus in the crosshairs of God's anger towards us. And if Jesus isn't in the crosshair, there's no way God can have a relationship with us. Now, don't get me wrong. Jesus did die in our place to save us and to free us from the bondage of our sin. Thank you, Jesus. But I'm hoping today that you'll see that this self-righteous, I'm better, I'm perfect, and you're not attitude view of God as unwilling to get dirty 
and enter into our sin is a human projection that completely misses the mark. Just like the expectations they had of the arrival of a king and the expectations and the picture they had completely missed the mark. In Ephesians chapter 4, Paul says something that helps us understand this. And I'm going to have my friend Noel read this. This is Ephesians chapter 4, verse 6. There is one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. Can you read that one more time? Okay. You did awesome. There is one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. Perfect. Jesus is over all, through all, and in all. Not just the perfect, not just the clean, everyone. Jesus destroys this way of thinking, starting with Advent and how Jesus enters into the world. He enters in a messy world, but he also proves it by who he spent time with, by who he ate with, by who he invited to follow him, and by who he provided a healing touch to. Now, one of my favorite verses is 2 Corinthians 5.21, which my friend Mari is going to read. And I think it helps best get this idea. So if you could read that, Mari. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Awesome. God made Jesus. God made Jesus who has no sin to be sin for us so that in Jesus, we might become the righteousness of God. I don't know about you, but that is incredible. Jesus becomes our sin. This is the word and the exact representation of God doing this. And in the example of Jesus, we see a very different picture of holiness. And what this is saying is that God reveals his holiness to us, which is identical to his love when he enters in and becomes our sin on our behalf. The God that shows up, you guys, here at Advent is like no other king that ever was or will be. Jesus is the king of kings and that he is absolutely unlike any king we could ever imagine. Jesus is wholly other, set apart from any of our assumptions. The holiness Jesus embodied was guided by perfect love, not law. And instead of using his kingship to separate himself from the unclean and the lowly and the hurting in the world, Jesus made his home right in our neighborhood, in the middle of the pain, in our sin, in our mess. Jesus enters each and every one of our mistakes and our shame and our family history and our struggles and our failures, all of it, everything. And the story of Advent and the arrival of Jesus it's basically an action-oriented picture of this truth, that the holy God is over all, working through all, and is in all to bring about God's peace no matter what. Now, back then, this was incredibly good news. 
And it is still, to this very day, the best, incredibly good news you could possibly know. It's for all humanity. doesn't matter who you are. God desires to make his residence in us, no matter where we are, no matter what we've done, just as we are. Amen? No matter what you're going through, what you're struggling with, what you're failing at, what you're doubting, the truth is there's nothing, the scripture says, that can separate us from the love of God. And friends, this is what we need to experience in our day-to-day life, right? We need to have relationship with someone that can show us this, and that's Jesus. And not only do we need to experience this in our day-to-day life, this is what we need to live out in our relationship with others. So as we end, the invitation then is to stop living out the lie that God can't be around our mess. We need to stop hiding the fact that we all have struggles and failures and quit hiding them out of fear and shame. Instead, we need to invite the God who shows up into our everything, into those places. Because it's there where we will be transformed by God's love. A love that's constantly proving to the world that there's no depth too deep that God's love won't go. When God enters the world in Jesus, everything changes. And so should we. That's the good news of Jesus, the God who shows up. Now, I'm going to invite the worship and the prayer team to come forward. And as they do, I do have a couple questions that I would love for you to ponder. The band's going to play for a few moments to give us some space to reflect and to think about what this means, but also kind of think of some application. Um, Kids, you have this on your bulletin, um, but everyone, I would love to hear your response, whether you just pick one of these questions or all of them. They're a great way for us to hear how you are responding to our conversations, how they're sticking with you, and how we could be praying for you. And so if you're willing to fill one of those questions out and share, you can drop them in one of the wood boxes by the door as you leave. Um, But here's the questions. Number one, what is one thing you learned about Jesus today? Again, one of our goals is that we're brought into a place where we're engaging with the story again and, and battling against the familiarity to hear something new. What's something you learned about Jesus today? Number two, what areas of your life do you need to open up to so that Jesus can be invited in with his love? An area you know you've been hiding for whatever reason, fear, shame, you don't want people to know about it, We just learned that this God is willing to enter into it all. There's no depth too deep that his love won't go. So what's that area that you know you've been hiding that you can open up to God? And number three, name someone you know who needs to hear the good news about the advent arrival of Jesus and what it means to you and your world. Again, this is the best news. Who's someone you could share this with? Who who needs to hear this? And the reason why I'm asking you to share that is because as a staff, as a board, as a prayer team, we'll be praying for you and for that person because we desperately want everyone to know the arrival of Jesus and what it means to us. 
So feel free to use this space um, to confess, to pray, to give thanks, to receive, to draw, to dream, whatever you feel called to in this time. I also want to note the prayer team is going to be over here in the corner. So if you have anything you would like prayer for, they'd be honored to pray with and for you. Um, I'm going to close our time with prayer, and then the band's going to give us a little space to reflect. And then we're going to join together with one last song of response. So join me as we pray. Father, Son, Spirit, we thank you for the goodness of your grace and peace. As we think about this Advent story, we thank you, God, that you have a love that goes beyond anything we could imagine or fathom. That you're unlike any king we could ever imagine. You're holy other separate from any of our assumptions, our thoughts, and our expectations, and you go far beyond them in the most amazing way. And you leave everything of glory to come and enter into our world to be with us. That brings hope, peace, joy, love, all the things that this Advent season is about. And so we give you thanks. And we pray this morning you would help us to open ourselves up to that reality, to allow you into all of our story and who we are. Help us to take this reality and share it with those in our neighborhoods, in our worlds, in our friendship sphere, in our family, that more and more may know you, the God who shows up, Jesus. We pray this in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.